Is it not queer that he is thus bewitched? As for the multitude that are but sparks raked up in embers of their poverty, fuck em. Welcome to the Kitty Cat Club, a podcast where two theater nerds explore the highest highs and the lowest lows of works inspired by the muses darling himself, Christopher Marlowe. That's right. Once again, we are taking a break from our regularly scheduled bardolatry to celebrate a different Elizabethan playwright. However, unlike William Shakespeare, Christopher Marlowe adaptations are few and far between. There is a Faustus here and there, but for the most part, adaptations of Marlowe's works are usually reserved for the stage, which given the current circumstances of a global fucking pandemic, it will be hard for us to discuss those, so we won't. However, there are still a few, so today we are talking about Edward II, a film adapted and directed by an old friend of ours, Megan. He's my friend? Derek Jarman, the Jarman himself. I mean, I wouldn't call us friends, but he has been on the show before. He has? Well, not himself. (laughs) Derek Jarman? gay activist, British punk, and obsessed with the English Renaissance. We discussed his third film, The Tempest, released in 1979, and now we're talking about his third-to-last film, Edward II, released in 1991. Edward II is a postmodern anachronistic adaptation with a lack of clear location and time period focusing more on the actions and the characters in the text. The film is representative of the movement known as New Queer Cinema, which came about in the early 1990s and showcased queer films that were just now breaking into the mainstream, either by recontextualizing older texts or connecting with the disaffected youth culture of the late 80s and the early 90s. Also included in New Queer Cinema is Gus Van Sant's My Own Private Idaho, which we will inevitably cover one day on the podcast. Edward II, if you haven't guessed by now, is an adaptation of Christopher Marlowe's Edward II, which was written around 1592 and published in 1594, a year after Marlowe's death at the tender age of 29. We're almost 29, Megan. Oh, shit. Marlowe is considered by scholars as the most popular playwright of his time. He was born to a shoemaker, John Marlowe, in Canterbury of the Canterbury Tales fame. He was probably only two months older than William Shakespeare. Marlowe also went to college. Okay, he could write one play. Take that, Shakespeare. Marlowe got his Bachelor of Arts at Corpus Christi College in Cambridge, which I am sure was much more impressive than getting a B.A. today. His play Tamburlaine was possibly the first play to be written in blank verse in the English theater, 
meaning many a tribute, Marlowe, as the progenitor of much of what we love about early modern theater. Wow. However, little is known about Marlowe's adult life, besides the plays that he wrote, and his death is like the number two conspiracy of Elizabethan England, right behind the Shakespeare authorship debate. And unsurprisingly, the two are sometimes connected with one another. The most widely held account is that Marlowe was killed in a bar, and that happened very closely after he had a warrant out for his arrest because there was some libel written against Protestant refugees from France and the Netherlands that he was accused of. Okay. So people have theorized many reasons why he was killed. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to list them off. Yeah. They say that he was killed because he was secretly gay. I was on a show once that was basically ChristopherMarlowWasGay.com. Continue. People also thought he was killed because he was an atheist, and that was bad. They also thought he might have been a spy, or that he was gay and an atheist, or gay and a spy, or an atheist and a spy, or a gay atheist spy. Or that he owed money to people, which is also way more likely. (laughs) Or that he faked his death and that he was secretly authoring the plays long attributed to one William Shakespeare. That's right, Shakespeare. You're a fucking fraud and we all know it. It was Christopher Marlowe. No, obviously what happened was the Duke of fucking what was writing Shakespeare's plays. Marlowe knew... And then he told Shakespeare he knew, and then Shakespeare murdered him two to seven years after his actual death. So anyway, Marlowe wrote a play about a king with a really boring history, Edward II, and many people believe he wrote it because Marlowe was super gay. And the only interesting part of this play is that this king has a really intimate relationship with this dude. And just to clarify, yeah, so Edward II obviously was a real person. This is a history. This is a history, and it is possibly slightly more accurate compared to other histories in early modern theater, but we're not going to say that for sure. It's also really strange because most other histories focus on big moments in history, like huge moments, like famous battles. This this one's just like, remember when that 1300s king really liked a guy? Megan. It's time. Okay. It's time, Megan. Just start it. It's time for Marquez's acting corner. Everyone's favorite thing. I only have two actors to talk about today on Marquez's acting corner. The first of which is Tilda motherfucking Swinton. What, Megan? I'm sorry. Before we start this acting corner, I would just like to point out neither of the actors being discussed are Edward II or Gaveston, his lover. <laughs> yeah, no, they're not important. <laughs> what are you talking about, Megan? Go ahead. As I was saying, Tilda motherfucking Swinton. 
that's not her actual name. She's Tilda Swinton. I mean, that's also not her actual name, but whatever. And she is playing Isabella, the king's wife, also known as the queen. Tilda Swinton won the Volpe Cup for Best Actress at the Venice Film Festival for this film. She rules. She made her way into the mainstream from underground pictures like Edward II and many other works by Derek Jarman. After she was nominated for a Golden Globe for The Deep End, she started making the round acting in movies with huge directors such as Adaptation and Vanilla Sky. Megan definitely knows her as the White Witch in the Narnia movies, the Ancient One in the MCU, and her cameo in the TV show What We Do in the Shadows. That last one's the one. You actually, like, didn't know the other two, Megan? Uh, it took me a second to remember who the Ancient One is, and then I remembered. And I didn't know, I didn't, did not see Narnia. Yeah, because you're a Lord of the Rings person, and you're like... I read Narnia, and I looked at the trailers and was like, that looks like trash. Megan, do not cite the old magics, for I was there when they were written. Hmm? Anyway, we love Tilda. Or I love Tilda. I shouldn't say we. I said we more like the royal we. We love Tilda. And Jerome Flynn, who is Bronn from Game of Thrones, is Kent. I knew that one. Edward's brother. Before we get started, I want to give a brief content warning. This film has a lot of anti-gay violence, police violence, violence in general. But a lot of it is assumedly and sometimes very obviously based in homophobia and hate. So before we get into it, I want to make sure that you're well aware of that. So you can skip this episode if that makes you uncomfortable. We begin the film. It's wet. It's real, real wet. We're in this dark, wet place, and it's wet, and there's a bed that's wet. And on the bed are two dudes making out. And then one dude sitting and another dude kind of lounging. Yeah. And then we see our main man, Gaveston. I wouldn't call him that, but okay. Now we see a guy whose name is Gaveston. And he's he gets a he's my main man. He gets a letter that's like, come back. My dad's dead. Come rule the kingdom. I did not write it down. Yeah. Even though it's repeated many times. Like four times? And Gaveston just reads this letter over, and then he has this little speech where he talks about how London is a piece of fucking shit. And the only reason he wants to go back is because his lover is there. The king. Edward II. And that's where we get the line I said at the start about the multitude being shitty and fuck them. Megan, do you remember what Derek Jarman changed? I wish that Christopher Marlowe had fuck them in his original text. What he actually says is tanti instead of fuck them, which was just a Italian way of basically, you know. Saying fuck them? A rude gesture, but not actually fuck them. Like, as for them, fine. There's not, like, a really good translation. 
So I'm glad that Derek Jarman didn't keep it. <laughs> Me too. Because it makes it more understandable that that's what he means. It also very much sets the tone for the Gaveston that is portrayed in this film. Yep. Then a traveler shows up. He's this, like, young gay man. And he comes. He's the one who delivered the letter. And Gaveston's like, who are you? What are you? What are you? I am a traveler. And Megan immediately goes to the Over the Garden Wall episode where they're in that tavern and they all need a role in the society. And I'm like, sing your song, traveler. Sing us your love song. Love song. But then he asks, like, the people making out in the bed, like, what are you? And they're like, we're sailors. We're dumb sailors who like to have sex. And Gavison's like, fuck, man, these people suck. I need poets. I hate dumb sailors. Dumb, stupid, sexy sailors. (laughs) I hate them so much. And then for some reason, he imagines a himbo very naked with a snake. Because he says he needs Italian masks. Duh. You know, all of the early modern Italian masks where a large himbo walks in wearing nothing really but a snake. Oh yeah, I know that. Never mind, you're right, Megan. So with that in mind, he goes back to London and he greets Edward II and they're like, Oh my god, it's you. After so long, we have no idea how long really. I don't know how long. I'm sure they mentioned it. Yeah. Years? Probably. Months? probably years few days and gaveston goes to kiss the king's hand and king edward's like kiss not my hand and i'm like oh you mean kiss his lippies his lips yeah yeah kiss his lips yeah and then he does and then the king kisses gaveston's hand oh you know they kiss a bunch yeah and i'm just like yeah okay they're gay I got it. Got it. And then we see a priest. Well, it turns out he's a bad priest. Yes. He made Gaveston go away. Yeah. And Edward and Gaveston go to him to claim revenge. Except when Gaveston's like, I'm gonna kill him. The king's like, no, Gaveston, don't do that. You can do whatever you want with him, but you can't kill him. Obviously, the king is a level head, and he will keep Gaveston in line, right, Megan? Yeah, obviously, except he then leaves, and he's like, do what you want, but I'd prefer if you don't kill him. Bye, I won't keep you in check. Gaveston makes a kissy face at the priest, and I'm like, is he gonna do something bad? No, he just beats him up, puts him in prison. And also grinds on his face forcibly. And then takes his teeth. Yeah, that's it. And we see Gaveston and Edward, they're just having a good time hanging out. Yeah, the priest is in the Tower of London now. They can relax. They can watch some gay guys dancing. They can play with each other's hair and make out. Yeah, it's nice. And then the gay guys who are dancing are going to also start making out. Everyone's kissing. It's gay. Yeah, it's gay and it's kissing. Yet I still feel like the dance scene in The Tempest is more gay. Really? Than this scene, at least. Megan, do you are you the type of person that's like, you see overt gayness, and you're like, that's not that gay. And you see subversive gayness, and you're like, this is radiating gay energy. I mean, I guess so. Listen, 
I'm going to create a axiom. Yeah. It's called the I don't dance effect, which is in High School Musical 2, the song I don't dance is so gay (laughs) that it cannot be described. And I do believe that it is more gay than just two dudes kissing on the screen. There's so much unsaid and so much pent-up gay. It's like a gay pressure valve. If the gay is flowing through a scene normally, then it's not that gay. But if the gay is restrained and held back, there's a high gay pressure. And that's why, media, if you want people to just ignore how gay something is, just make it overt. Yeah. Because otherwise, we're going to see it everywhere building up under the seams. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We get our first glimpse at Tilda Swinton. And she's like, hello, my husband, the king. I'm going to kiss you. But he's gay. And he's like, no likey the kissy. She's like, okay, my husband, I want to maybe touch the penis. And he is like, I do not want you to touch the penis. And he pushes her away, goes to a wall and starts bashing his head against it. Wild. This is some Derek Derek Jar Jar's BS here. I, I don't know. Like, it's like the opposite of gay repression. I'm trying to decide if this is exactly what Edward would do the end, or if this is like a symbolic moment of this is what it feels like to be gay and in a place where it's not accepted. I like that reading. Because I don't feel like you see the damage from him bashing his head into a wall later in the film. Like, it's not like he's bandaged or bleeding or anything, as far as I can remember. A metaphorical bashing of your head into a wall. Yeah, that's kind of how I want to see it. Okay. And then we get another scene of Edward and Gaveston, you know, hanging out at the throne, you know, just being all cute. And Edward's like, Gaveston, you get this title and this title. And this title. But Gaveston's like, that's more than I deserve. Come on. I don't deserve that much. And King Edward's like, babe, you deserve literally every title. The world is yours, babe. My heart, my soul, my land, my crown. It's yours. And Edward's brother, Bronn. Well, Kent. Bronn. his actual name. Bronn is like... These titles are too much. And Edward's like, nah. There's a lot of scenes like this, Megan, where somebody comes in and says to Edward, maybe you should do this. And he just goes, nah. Nah. And that's the whole scene. And we cut to possibly my favorite moment of the film, which seems really weird. Describe it for me, Megan, because you say this and I'm like, I have no memory of what's coming next. (laughs) So it's dark. There's a crowd of guards surrounding something we don't really know what it is but to me it looks kind of like a coffin or like just something ominous basically and you start hearing whispers of people saying like oh these things are bad and it's all super hushed and like i said it's dark so it takes a while to actually figure out who's talking and it's just this like Everyone's standing very still. They're not turning to each other. They're just staring straight ahead. It's like if you were to watch the Queen's guards with the hats talk shit while like standing completely stoically still. 
And it's just an image I really like. Megan, I feel like your favorite parts of any of these films are always going to be this weird minor thing that you notice that you think is just pretty cool. I just think it's pretty cool. Like, they're just talking shit about the king and they're doing it secretly while doing their jobs. And meanwhile, Marquez did not remember this. I do now that you mention it. We cut to other people on the streets and stuff who are also just like, wow, that Gaveston sure sucks. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. We should find a way to kill that Gaveston guy. And then we cut to sex. A lot of some sex, some BDSM shit. There's a guy who we later find out is Mortimer, who's the head of the armies. And he's just really upset about Gaveston. He can't possibly fuck these two women because there's a clicking noise coming from somewhere. And he's just so upset about this tongue clicking. Two things I want to mention. One, in the original play, there's young Mortimer and old Mortimer. And young Mortimer's the like kind of shitty against the king guy. And old Mortimer's kind of like centrist middle of the road like, I mean... I'll do what I have to, depending on who asks him. I like it better as one person. I do too, because I will be honest, reading Edward II, I was like, which Mortimer is this? I mean, I'm going to say this about all early modern plays and such. If you do an adaptation, just try to cut the weak from the chaff as much as possible, because I'm so fucking tired of reading about these motherfucking names and these things, when these characters could just be represented by, like, a text message or, like, a fucking one guy who represents all of them. And, like, this movie has, like, six people that matter. And I think that it's really important to pay attention in this adaptation who's cut, because most of the people who are cut are ones that kind of lean towards somewhat supporting Edward. Mm. And this movie wants to show that basically everyone's against him. Second thing I gotta bring up, I hate that tongue-clicking sound so much I want to rip out my own ears and shove them up my own asshole. And also we see Edward's son putting on his mother's clothes. There's a reading in that I don't have one. But you can, audience, if you want. Meanwhile, Gaveston, clicky, clicky, clicky bastard, is playing naked monkey on the throne. Because he's just naked, and he's just jumping around on the throne like a monkey. And Mortimer's just so mad about this. I mean, it seems pretty disrespectful, and it sounds really annoying. I'm not against you. I'm also like, why is this happening? Because, listen, you could just have Mortimer mad at Gaveston. He could just be like, wow, I hate Gaveston, like he is in the play. Instead of being like, here's Gaveston, this incredibly annoying asshole. (laughs) And then we go, yeah, I don't like him much either. It's very strange, and we'll get back to this, how Gaveston is treated, given how Derek Jarman wants us to view gaveston and the king as i'm just gonna come out and say it as persecuted queer individuals it is very interesting that it showcases gaveston as 
a huge asshole. That just seems like a step in the bad direction. It's weird because Gaveston is in a position of power, as is Edward II, which is strange because it's like, that's not how queer people are. They're not in a position of extreme power in situations where they are persecuted, which makes it a weird position to have them in, just because we don't have that context in terms of queer rights. It's one of those weird moments where I kind of wish that Derek Jarman had taken it even further and made Edward not a king and like a businessman or something. So he's in less divine right power. It is weird because he does take us out of it by not having it set anywhere, really. It's a weird middle ground that he has it here because he keeps the language for the most part intact, but he makes it so that it's very anachronistic. A lot of where they're talking is just stone hallways and in between big rocks or something. A wet room with a bed. (laughs) Yeah. So it is strange. But let's just keep going and maybe we can like parse it out as we go. Mortimer wants to talk to Queen Isabella because she should be able to sway Edward II because that's her husband and she's unhappy with this whole situation. So we'll talk to her. The movie slash the play, the movie I'm going to fault for this because in the play I read it clearly. Yes. In the movie they go, ah, yes, I'm going to talk to the sister of the king of France. And so I just heard the sister of the king and I didn't hear the of France. So I thought this was Edward's sister who looks exactly like his wife and then disappears. Tilda's like wearing a veil in this scene. And she's, like, in shadows. So I thought that there were two women characters. And, man, silly me thinking that a play would have two Two women. women. Silly. (laughs) This movie only has one woman. She also doesn't talk in the scene. So that's also a fault against it and why I got confused. Well, because they're like, we're talking to the sister of the king of France and her son. If they connected Edward in that sentence anywhere, I'd be like, I know who this is. Yes. But I was like, ah, it's his sister and his nephew. Okay. And also, we've only had one scene with Isabella. So, like, what am I supposed to do with this? But it's fine. We figured it out later. And so the nobles go to confront Edward about Gaveston. And Edward's on a bed with a bunch of puppies. Sure. That's what I'd do if I was a king. Just have a bunch of puppies all over? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty good. And they're like, please do something about Gaveston. He really sucks. <laughs> and Edward goes, nah. And then Kent comes and is like, yeah, F you guys. You can't talk to the king like that. I just talked to the king like that a couple yeah! of scenes ago. I was like, you literally just asked for the same thing. Yeah, 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 Megan. But he's the brother. He's Kent. He can do it, right? Only I can talk to my family like that. And then we cut to Edward in a weird, wet, underground place. I don't know where this is. It looks kind of like a dungeon. Or maybe it's just a sad alley where he goes when he's drunk. 
and he sits there and he speaks with his reflection. He's pulling a golem from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, he wishes someone could make hard decisions for him, like himself, but a reflection. And then the best character shows up. Guy with a ferret. Then Edward looks at the ferret man and goes, You take my crown, who even are you? I don't know why he says, take my crown. He just doesn't want his crown. Yeah, he's like, I don't want to be king. This is not worth it. If I wasn't king, I could just be with my boyfriend and things would be great. Which is an interesting queer narrative of, I wish I wasn't in a position of power so that I could freely express myself, which is like being in the closet. It's just not a very common queer narrative so with that in mind i think the perfect modernization would be to make him a celebrity yes he's in the public eye the public's talking shit about him being queer and he's like i have sway over some people so i have some quote-unquote authority but i also just wish i was out of the public eye so i could just be myself without judgment i like that he's just like you're you gonna kill me guy and fair guy's just like no i'm just here with my ferret you want me to leave? And he's like, no, you're going to kill me. So you might as well stay. And I'm like, he's just a guy with a ferret. And then we cut to Mortimer and Isabella teaming up. She's so tired of her gay husband. And this is where we get another line from the beginning. Is it not queer that he is thus bewitched, but that is changed from the text? The text originally reads, is it not strange that he is thus bewitched? Mm. Same meaning, different meaning. Jarman, I see you, and I like this. I like this change. It's so good because it could be read the original way and in a new way. Ooh, I love it. Because also, it is in the text that everyone thinks it's weird that Gaveston has such a sway on the king. And... I mean, this just turns subtext into, what's the opposite uber text? So I'm not even <laughs> going to say it turns it into text. It turns it into more than the text. It's it, a bold, <laughs> italicized, underlined headline. Yeah, you cannot be confused. It is very good. And Isabella's worried because she can't be seen talking to Mortimer but Mortimer knows that he can use her sway and popularity. You know, they're just trying to work with each other, but they're like, no, yes, no, yes. See, by this point in the play, we've already had King Edward be like, oh, so you're screwing Mortimer and you love Mortimer. Mortimer and Tilda, I mean, Isabella. It's only mentioned like once or twice in the movie, but after this scene. Yeah. So by this point in the movie, we haven't had any inkling that there could be something there. So I don't see it. No, I don't either. And I just think that's a very interesting thing. And I honestly like that Jarman cut out most of that because it's really annoying. I'm going to be completely honest, because if you are having sex with someone extramaritally and then you're pissed at your partner for doing that, that's hypocritical. And then I don't like you as a character, Edward II. All right, so the next scene, we got some hot guys working out. Is it the king and Gaveston? Yeah. 
and then a bunch of other people. Yeah. It's like a workout class. Yeah. They're like at spin class. Yes. And then all the earls, the lords, the nobles come in and ruin this perfect gym time. Yep. And then... Gaveston leaves the gym class. Yes. And finds Isabella. (gasps) And he kind of like flirts with her. Full on just fucking like whispers dirty. Puts her against a wall and is like whispering into her mouth. Yes. He gets the queen all hot and bothered. Because she's been denied constantly by her husband. Like, it sucks. He's playing with her. Yeah, and then he mocks her for getting off on... Well, because she's about to kiss him. Yeah. Because his lips are right there, and so she starts to almost kiss him, and he starts laughing at her. Which, granted, I think that this is shitty on Marlowe. Not a very well-written character. I'm all for feminine horny. I'm all for, like, women wanting sex. Right. That's fine. That's not what this moment is No, that's like like saying that a woman is so weak that when she is denied sex that she will get horny for this asshole that's talking to her nicely. When it's like, no, she knows who Gaveston is and knows that he's an asshole. So, like, it kind of sucks. It's kind of... Well, it's because he's using her physical reactions that like it's hard to talk about without talking about some really uncomfortable topics well i mean he is assaulting her yes but it's like when people say like his organ reacted so obviously he wanted it yeah and it's like well you were touching it and physically that just happens sometimes and it doesn't even mean pleasure yeah she reacted you had your mouth right there and you were saying things to lead her to this, and in confusion and her shitty life, she went along with what you were doing. Anyway, Gavison kind of sucks. He sucks horribly, and I am literally on the sides of the bad guys. For different reasons. Yes, but also not, because we don't get people in this film saying, I hate Gavison because he's gay and he's making the king gay. They go, Gavison's bad. And the king puts too much trust in him. And I'm like, Gavinston's bad. The king shouldn't put so much trust in him. He's a bad guy. It's a weird queer narrative because of the fact that if it was just like, these are two nice gay men living their lives and not bothering anyone. And then people wanted to get rid of him. It's like, Gavison is a bad influence. He's a bad guy. And I am against respectability politics. I don't think that you need to be a respectable queer individual. I think you're able to live openly. But like, unless you are attacked outright for trying to express yourself, you can bite back. That's fine. And like, I get that he was exiled and that might be a part of it. But also when he comes back, he's just a complete asshole. And the problem is we don't know what he was exiled for. We just hear he was exiled. So he's mad at a priest. And that makes us fill in blanks that a priest would hate him because he's gay. Yes. But then when we meet him. He's terrible. To basically everyone but the king. And I'm like, okay, maybe you did some bad shit and that's why you got exiled. Like, I want to see the report. But I kind of like it because there is a trend these days about asking for messy queer narratives. And you could still feel bad for someone for being persecuted 
and them being an asshole. Yeah. You could be like, I hate them as a person, but they shouldn't be persecuted because of who they are. Because believe you me, there are plenty of queer people that are shitty people. Oh, yeah. I just think the film needs to make it more overt that being gay is the reason that people hate Gaveston. Because that's just honestly not clear to me. No, yeah, you're right. Anyway, Gaveston's a shitty guy. He and Isabella are getting this little rivalry. Because she's like, you robbed me of my lord. And he's like, no, you robbed me of my lord. And she's like, no, you robbed me of my lord. And he's like, you robbed me of my lord. And they just kind of go back and forth like that for like 15 minutes. Not really, but I could see it. The nobles write a petition to get rid of Gaveston. Everyone's like, I want to write first. Let me write my name first. And it's like a YouTube comment party. And they go to Mortimer and they ask if he'll fight the king if necessary. And Mortimer goes, Nah, brah. God will set this right. Well, what he says is, I will not be up in arms because God is up in arms or something like that. Oh, yeah. They're like, God hates him because he's gay. I don't need to do any work. Which also just really confuses me with the whole divine right of kings thing. Because it's like, okay, so God was like, you will be king. And then he's like, I like a penis. And God's like, oh, no. But, oh. Next, we see a bunch of nude men wrestle, and the son of Edward is watching. He has, like, a very, oh, face, which I can't tell if it's shock or awe. Yeah. I think this is a whole, like, the son is getting corrupted by queerness or something. Well, it's either that or it's just, like, it's genetic and he's also gay. Or, like, he just also happens to be gay and he's, I don't know. The son is queer of some sort. Yeah, the son is queer. Nature, nurture, we don't know. I mean, but it's also just like, no matter what queer happens, I think that that's it. Like, no matter how you try, people will be queer. It doesn't matter, like, how much you try to, like, stop people being queer or try to persecute people being queer. People are just queer. Which is not part of the original play. Ah, yeah. (laughs) Next, we see that Gavison and Edward are listening to the Divine Comedy. You know, they're just two it's gay like men this... going to the theater. Yeah, but it's like a little personal theater that's got like 10 seats, but it's just them. And they're just like leaning on the backs of chairs. And it's really cute. It's really strange how very tender and nice the scenes with Gavison and Edward are. And then whenever Edward's not there, Gavison's a piece of shit. And then Edward's like, no, no. He's not bad. I will make no comment and instead say that the earls come out and they're like, hey, we've got this petition to get rid of Gaveston. And the person who's performing the Divine Comedy is like, I'm just going to head back behind the curtain and get a drink and get the hell out of here. And the nobles threaten Edward's kingship if he doesn't exile Gaveston. And Edward's like, I'm not going to do it. And he's like, curse me, depose me, do whatever you can. The worst you can do to me. I'll never say no. And then some guy that's somehow connected to the church comes up to him alone and is like, you know, they're going to turn on you and depose you. Literally, though, they really will do this. Edward's like, okay, I'll sign it. (laughs) He just kind of like, okay, you're right. Oh, shit. Uh, Really, though? Okay, here's my name. So in the next scene, we get Gaveston and Edwards goodbye. And much like when Elizabeth Welch 
sing Stormy Weather in the Tempest. In this seed, we have New Age English legend Annie Lennox, who rocked the world with her gender-defying look in the music video for Sweet Dreams Are Made of This, which is a personal favorite of mine. She is singing Cole Porter's Every Time We Say Goodbye. Now, Cole Porter was a closeted gay man. So we have a gay icon singing a song written by a closeted gay man while these two lovers say goodbye. It actually rules. Derek Jarman secretly rules. This film rules. I find it really interesting. So at the start of the scene, it kind of seems like this is like a music video that's happening in a different world and it's non-diegetic. But then it turns out that it's completely diegetic and she's there and she's like watching them. Yeah. And there's like a couple awkward moments of it, which are really funny to me. And it really rooted me out when I first watched it. But now I just kind of think it's funny. Yeah. I want to point out that in the play, they have a very different goodbye because they exchange pictures of each other and they're like, oh, I'm going to wear this against my heart. Like, I'm going to keep you close. I'll look at this every night, etc. And then King Edward's like, I'll just hide you in a closet or something. They won't know. And Gaveston's like, no, they would definitely know. So they say goodbye. And then Edward walks him out. And Gaveston's like, don't, they'll see, like, sort of thing. Like, obviously, I'm not quoting it directly. No, I think you are. I think he goes, (laughs) we'll just hide you in a closet. (laughs) But Edward's like, no, I'm going to walk you to your exile. Hmm. because I don't care what they say or if they see you or anything. Like, I'm going to walk with you out. While in this, they're just like, they do a little dancey dance, and then he's like, bye, and Gaveston leaves. And then Annie Lennox is like, watching. And it's just like, sup, guys? And they look at her like, stop watching us, lady! And as Gaveston is leaving and Edward is gone, all the priests start spitting on him. Now we're getting into gay persecution. (laughs) All right. Maybe priests are bad. Yeah, maybe these people are bad. Which may be the point all along is when people find ways to persecute queerness without directly addressing that that's the reason why. Yeah, like, this is going to be completely different. But, like, when you apply to adopt a cat and they'll be like, Oh, it's, uh, cause you have a bad backyard. Yes. And that's not at all the reason, but they just find a different excuse. But you know the reason. And I think that that's kind of what we're going for. Like, all of the actions of the nobles are fueled by homophobia. And... They present it at, well, he's an asshole, which he is. I'm using logic in order to convince you to allow us to persecute this person. But other people in the kingdom are assholes, and they're not getting exiled. Yes. So I think that that's it. It's it's the fact that, yeah, Gaveston sucks shit, no doubt. But, like, he shouldn't be persecuted for just that, especially when everyone else is an asshole. Right. And this scene is really sinks it in because if that was the case... If that was their reasoning, they wouldn't be doing something like spitting on him as he leaves. They'd just be happy he was gone and leave it at that. So next we see that Gaveston is screaming in the rain. Poor Tom's a cold. And Tilda puts on a nice dress. 
Un- she's gonna get it, she thinks. But unfortunately, Edward still doesn't want to fuck her. What? The gay guy who's really sad now isn't horny for you? And Edward thinks Isabella is fucking Mortimer. This is where we get it for the yeah. first time in the movie. And it's weird because he seems jealous. And I hate it. I don't know. Like, yes, these things happen, but it's just a thing I don't like. And it seems completely out of nowhere for the film. Yeah, Edward thinks that that's the reason why they got rid of Gaveston was because they're sleeping with each other. Which makes zero sense. Yeah, but Edward tells Isabella that he won't have her unless she can get the lords to get Gaveston to return. And she loves none but the king. And for some reason, this was the point in the movie where I was like, but why is she not French? Why does she have an English accent? (laughs) It's just me because I hear Tilda Swinton's voice. And it's a nice voice. But I'm like, isn't she the sister to the king of France? So she's like, I love you so much. I wish I was fucking dead and my vagina was poison. Rather than not get that good King D. So I'll get your boyfriend back so that you'll have sex with me when he's here. That didn't happen before. Yeah, it's wild. But she's like, I would rather have you be with him and maybe allow me in and watch you guys just be happy together and me be on the sidelines than you completely cut me out. Yep. So really, she just can't have a happy ending. No. And now Edward goes and speaks with Ferret Man again. He's like, kill me, Ferret Man. I want to die, Ferret Man. I'm having bad brain gay thoughts about Gaveston, Ferret Man. And he's just like, okay. Okay. Anyway, we then cut to Tilda Swinton, Isabella, the Queen, whatever. She's shooting a dead deer. I don't know why. (laughs) Target practice, I guess? I guess. I don't know. And then Mortimer comes in and it's like, don't love the king. And I'm like, yeah, honestly, don't. It's not good for your mental health. But then she's like, I'm going to get Gaveston back. Only to kill him. She doesn't do the the gun She should have. But that would have been cool. That would have been a cool button to the line. And Mortimer's like, okay, let's bring that up to the nobles. And he goes to them and he's like, let's bring back Gaveston. And they all go, what the fuck, Mortimer? You agreed that he should leave. And Mortar goes, no, no, no. We bring him back. And we greet him with a knife. How come this plan hasn't been brought up before? Yeah, we didn't think of it yet. Okay. That's basically how the scene goes. I love that. I think that's genius. Christopher Marlowe, brilliant. Best writing of this whole play is just like, why didn't you say that earlier? I hadn't thought of it yet. Okay. Fair. I love it. And then they like praise Tilda. They're like me. Yeah, they started chanting Tilda. Tilda. Even though her name's Isabella. Tilda. They knew. They just knew that she was going to be a gay icon. And she's pumped up from that. And she goes back and she's like, Edward, my love, my dear, Gaveston's coming back. It's gonna happen. And then Edward's like, why don't you go kiss Mortimer about it? And she's like, I'm getting you. Uh, no, Gav- I'm getting Gaveston back for you. And he's like, oh, shit. Yeah, I'll fuck you for this. You want my penis? You like my boyfriend, so you want my penis? And they're happy now. Yay. And the movie's like, ah, second marriage may prove more happy than the first marriage. And I'm like, it won't, but okay. Like, you can't pretend like we think this is going to end well. 
Yeah, but then we cut to Edward again, and he's talking to Ferret Man again. And he's like, Gavison hasn't come back yet. Everyone needs a confidant. Apparently it's Ferret Man in the wet hole. Don't call it the wet hole. Yeah, too bad. <laughs> it's its name now. I always call it the Gollum Pool. Oh, I like the Gollum Pool. Okay, fine. I won't call it the wet hole. And then we cut to a scene where the Queen and Mortimer are trying to convince Kent to join them. And Kent's like, I don't see a problem with the King and Gaveston. All of the Greek bigwigs loved men. You know, Alexander, Hercules. They all had a little penis on the side. You know, Achilles loved Patroclus. I love this line because the line is, and for Patroclus stern, Achilles drooped. Which makes me think that Achilles is just blowing Patroclus. Oh, I was just thinking that Achilles was the bottom. Oh, that too. Which you wouldn't think, but hey. But hey. Takes all sorts. So, Edward's waiting at the gates with a string quartet, waiting for his boyfriend to come home. And then he does, and the string quartet starts playing, and then they do a little tango dance. And it's cute. Again, every scene in which Gaveston and Edward are in, it's just a cute little scene. And they're just like, I missed you so much. No, I missed you so much. No, I missed you so much. No, I missed you so much. So, Marquez, is this where we can talk about how Gaveston was actually, like, betrothed slash married to Edward's niece? What? Yeah, both in the play and history. Gaveston is married to Edward's niece, and, like, he set that up, and then he was like, also, I'm gonna fuck your husband. Not mentioned in the movie? Never. She's never part of it. She doesn't exist. Okay, well... Again, I would like to state, I actually am so glad that they didn't bring it up. So I think it's important to the play, but I think for this adaptation that's trying to give the message that it's giving, that would just make things really complicated and ick, Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Because it would do that whole, like, gay people are adulterers, like, thingy. I don't know if that's still a thing people think, but I remember that being a thing in the past. Oh, I mean, yeah, gay people being equated to perversion. Yeah. Yeah, that still happens. Yeah. Sucks. Does. So I'm kind of, I'm glad that they cut that. But I think it's an important thing to know in case you got like an English test on Edward II. Oh shit, you're right. So anyway, we find out that Mortimer and the Queen are fucking okay but is this new i don't know or has this been happening because it seems new she just needs a man who will fuck her besides her gay husband i mean fair if he has a side piece she's allowed a side piece that's what i say it doesn't seem like he got her approval with gaveston no so again why is he so jealous of mortimer so then gaveston comes to a nice banquet and none of the nobles will salute Gaveston despite all of his titles. And Edward says, salute Gaveston. And Gaveston's like, murder And then they all salute him. But they're like kind of mocking him. They're doing like a mock salute. Like, like oh, oh, yeah, sir. Oh, Lord of Blah and High Lord of the Meh. And they're like doing that. And Gaveston just kind of, like, goes off. He reads them for filth. Yeah, and then Mortimer stabs him in the gut. 
I'm going to say my favorite part of it, which is where the queen grabs the knife from Mortimer and then just holds it out towards Edward and stays completely still for the rest of the scene. (laughs) She doesn't move an inch. She's like a mannequin holding a sword non-threateningly. Megan, I just couldn't help but think of that scene from Slings and Arrows when Darren Nichols gets stabbed. And everyone just kind of writes it off like it's nothing. He just goes, you make it sound like an ill-timed fart. I was stabbed. (laughs) That's all I could think of when Gaveston gets stabbed. I can't wait to talk about that show. Oh, Edward's back to talking to Ferret Man. And I need to make something clear, Megan. Ferret Man has not had a ferret since the first scene that he was in. Ferret Man. Where'd the ferret go? I don't know. But in this scene, he's now Welding Man. No, he's Ferret Man. I mean, we're just going to keep calling him Ferret Man because that's what he had when he showed up. But he is welding. And Edward is yelling to Ferret Man. Fuck these guys. Fuck everyone. I vow to kill everyone that stands in my way. But he doesn't really have any plan to. He's just talking. Yep. We go back to Mortimer with a bunch of ladies doing some, like, puppy play, rough play. Yep. And while this is happening, Gavison is being wrapped up by the traveler guy in the beginning. Like, his wound is being covered, not just, like, mummy time. (laughs) Yeah, he's not getting (laughs) mummified by him. Now, Edward wants to stop Mortimer, but he can't get rid of Mortimer because the people love Mortimer. And then the traveler is like, hi, I'm here. My name's Spencer. And Edward's like, have a lordship. I wish I was friends with Gaveston so I could just stand there and get a lordship. Yeah. Meanwhile, Braun comes in and he's like, my name's actually Kent in this movie. Marquez, stop calling me Braun <laughs> because Megan will keep yelling at you if you keep doing it. And then he goes, you need to get rid of Gaveston, Edward. And Edward's like, no. And Kent's like, man, I hate that guy. Because he's just such a flip-flopper. Kent's a piece of shit. I don't like Kent. And then Kent, obviously, after that, goes to Mortimer and the Queen and goes, I want to join you. And they're like, I don't trust you. And he just goes, I'm a Plantagenet. And they're like, okay. And then Thunder cracks, as if it is an almond that it won't go well for them. In my mind, that's how I read it. So it's very obvious Mortimer and the Queen are going to just go kill Gaveston because their first stab attempt didn't work. So Gaveston's like, I got to get away. And Edward's like, you go that way. I'll go that way. They'll follow me because they want to kill you. Because he doesn't think because he's queer. It's okay. We all just make dumb choices sometimes. The Queen's rocking a cool green dress. That's all I got to say about that. And then she's like, Mortimer. And others, go, chase him. And then Edward's like, man, now that I've stopped running for a second, I realize that was a dumb gay plan. I know that Gavison's gonna die. And the people catch up to him. And they're dressed like police. Yeah. It's rough. (laughs) Yeah, so we watch a bunch of cops choke (laughs) Gavison to death. And that is topical in the worst way. And then they shoot a gun into the air to get all of his people to scatter. I thought they also shot him after choking him, and I was like, fucking cops, man. I mean, fuck cops. 
And then, and then we get a scene with Edward and Spencer. And Spencer's just like, you know, if I were king, I wouldn't allow this to happen. Like, yeah, Spencer, cool beans, my dude. I don't like that this is happening either. Like, what the fuck? He's like, if you were tougher, this wouldn't happen to you. You were harder on your subject. A real king would just have killed everyone by now. <laughs> and now Edward's like, yeah, I'm going to do something. You've made me realize I will kill them all. And then all of the nobles are like, hey, King, that Spencer guy seems bad. We don't like him. Yeah, he's telling you to kill all of us. And the fight rages on and it's now gay rights protesters. Versus cops. Versus cops. And it's just like cop violence against peaceful protesters who just want gay rights. And yikes, and I know that's the whole point is yikes, but who, boy, yikes. Yeah, it's yikes. I would have loved if that seemed like a thing of the past by now. Yep. And Tilda's, like, giving off, like, severe Margaret Thatcher energy because she is the leader of Britain and she's using cops to commit hate crimes. You know. You know. Like you do. We then cut to Edward and Spencer. They caught the cop that killed Gaveston. I'm gonna be honest. I was just like, it's a random cop. And Marquez was like, it's the one who killed Gaveston. And I was like, they all look the same. How am I supposed to know that? Uh, That's fair. And the cop is like, you're gay. I don't want a gay king. I mean, he doesn't say that. No, but that's, you know. He, He says he would rather die than live amongst such a king, which is exactly what you said, but not. And all I can think is I'd rather die. And then we cut to holes. And King Edward's like, I can fix that. Uh, And so they kill him rather brutally, which this time I'm like, yeah, cool. Do it again. And Ken comes in. He's like, what the fuck are you doing, my dude? And I get it because he's a cop and fuck cops. But Ken's like, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't cherish flatterers. And it's funny because when he's saying that, you hear pigs squealing in the background because cops. And then we get our little Christmas movie in the middle of this movie because the boy is playing with his Christmas toys, which include a ski mask and a toy gun, which are kind of masculine things. Also, like terrorists and robbers. Yeah, weird. And Kent's just like, I can't believe all this is happening. And Queen Isabel is just like, I do this for the care of my country. And then we see a firing squad shooting protesters. And once again, I'm like, oh, is this filmed this year? Yeah, it's rough. And at this point, Edward is just so tired of everything going on. The army comes and they're like, we're going to kill you, Edward. And he's like, do it. I fucking dare you. Also, Spencer's my best friend now. So you'll have to kill us both. Kill us, (laughs) coward. And they're like, okay. And they got him. They got the king. And Isabella and Mortimer is like, young Edward's gonna be king. And young Edward is writing Isabella in some dust, and I feel like that means something symbolically, but... But I don't know what. I'm not an artist. And then we see that Spencer is tortured, and his neck is snapped by Mortimer, and Mortimer says the word, girl boy, at his dead corpse, because Mortimer hates queerness. Yeah, it's rough. I will say I wrote this down at this point, but I like this gay film better than Private Romeo, which I felt had... That's because it 
makes strong choices. Yeah. And, and it, like, has a purpose. And it's Private Romeo doesn't make very strong choices. Next, we see that Mortimer and Isabella are just hanging out. They've got, like, masks on, a little fancy robe. They're just having a spa day. And then, for the first time, we see Ferret Guy is out of his golem cave. What? Ferret Guy's working for them? And they tell him that he's going to kill Edward. And that makes me think, so were all the scenes with him in that room flash forwards? And I'm like, no, that makes absolutely no goddamn sense. But it made me think that because the cuts to those scenes have all been really sharp cuts. And especially because in them, when there was no reason for him to think so, Edward was like, are you going to kill me now? Yeah. And I was like, why would a ferret guy kill you? Is ferret guy his sexuality? I don't know. Isabella's like, so go back to Edward, give him this lock of my hair, tell him I'm trying real hard to make things better for him, and then kill him. We cut to Edward, and Edward says, tell Isabella that he stood in the trash of the castle. And the executioner's just like, yeah, this is sad. I don't want to kill you. (laughs) Your life's pretty sad right now. How about you go to sleep? Just go to sleep. Go to sleep. I'm not going to kill you. You go to sleep. I love Ferret Guy. I love Ferret Guy. He's good, even though he doesn't have his ferret. We go back to the family, who's probably like, Edward's dead by now. Except young Edward's just like, okay, time for family photos. Where's my dad? Mortimer, like, takes the little prince aside and tries to get him to, like, not ask about his dad. And the prince is like, you're not my real dad. And I'm like, correct, he's not. I mean, you're right. And then we find out during the photos, Kent, like, gives a middle finger to the camera. And then it's like, Kent tried to rescue the king. (gasps) And so then, out of seemingly nowhere, Tilda Swinton, in a prophecy, basically, of her future roles, just kind of vampires Kent. She bites into his neck, rips out his fucking jugular, basically. Yeah. She kills him by biting his neck. What? And then we see that the young son is wearing earrings, and he tastes the blood. This is a family of vampires! And the Queen and Mortimer go home to go back to the throne, and they're just laughing because, man, isn't vampirism funny? We won. And Edward is still in the golem pool, and he's sad. And then the ferret man comes with a stick, and he's just like, Hey, bud, I'm back with a violent stick. At this point, Edward's gone almost completely mad and just rambling. Where is my crown? Which he's never worn a crown this whole film, just to be clear. Goodbye, world. Gone, gone, gone. And Ferret Man's like, I don't want to kill you. I've never killed anyone before. Wait, but I thought he's, he said he's killed a bunch of people. I thought it was just he's not a king killer. Oh, maybe he says he doesn't. I don't remember, Maggie. I don't know either. But I think it's just that he's like, I don't want to be the king slayer. That's another Game of Thrones reference. <laughs> What really matters is that as the king is going mad, he gets an FMV of Gaveston and all the scenes of Edward and Gaveston, and it's nice. And then Edward is taken and sodomized by a poker to death. 
and it wasn't real. It was a dream sodomy. Yeah, it was a dream sodomy, which, okay, I understand that this is a gay film, so they want to do a sodomy death. Yeah. In the play, I will let everyone know, in case they haven't read it, it is not a sodomy death. Yeah. He just has, like, a table put on him, and then a bunch of guards stomp on the table till he's dead. <laughs> like, he's put on a slab, and then a table's put on it, and they just kind of, like... Yeah, they're, like, lay down, now we put this slab of wood, like, a table on you, and now we're just gonna stomp on it until you're dead. Because we don't want to step on your body, because that might get our shoes gross. That's ridiculously hilarious. Uh, and I don't know which death I actually find better. Well, I like the sodomy because it's thematically relevant. That one's just if you're not doing a gay movie. And we snap back to reality. Well, there goes the poker into the pool because he's not dying today. He's getting kissed. Yeah, he and Ferret Man like make out. Yeah. Are they just going to go away together? I love Ferret Man. Like, I like him more than I like Gaveston. Me too. Go with Ferret Man. And young Edward is king, and he's listening to the Sugar Plum Fairy song. He's got makeup and earrings, and Mortimer and the Queen are in a cage that he's dancing upon. I'd also like to say he's, like, listening to a Walkman. I'd also like to say that Mortimer and the Queen do not survive the play. Oh, do they just get killed? Yes, young Edward's, like, off of their heads. Kill them. Fucking kill them. They killed my dad. Kill him. I do like Mortimer's line here, and I don't know if in the original it is Mortimer's line, but I do like it. And he says, base fortune, now I see that in thy wheel there is a point to which when men aspire, they tumble headlong down. That point I touched and seeing there is no place to mount up higher. Why shall I grieve at my declining fall? That line rules. Because I like the idea that it's people who think that they're in positions of power will always fall. And you might think that you are safe and you did a hate crime and you put down the people who you hate. But like, man, it's a cycle and you're going to be taken down eventually. And again, it goes with my interpretation of young Edward being like, queer happens. You can't get rid of it. You can't. Yeah, like you thought you got rid of it with Edward. But one, haha, he's alive and kissing a ferret man. And two, you're a new king. You're a little king. He's queer too. He's queer. That's it. There's one other line oh. after this that is death ends all and I can die but once. And they say that while they're showing like, the gay rights protesters and stuff. And yeah. And also, Derek Jarman died from complications due to AIDS like two years after this movie. Fucking rough. I don't know. If I was him, I'd be really proud that I got this out before then. Oh, I mean, his last films are very much all about this. And I think that that's really important. And I don't think that many artists get to be as overt as Derek Jarman was yeah like listen I didn't like the Tempest and you didn't either I think that this film is much better yes I think I also probably like Edward II more than I like the Tempest to begin with I think that this works as an adaptation because it cuts 
so much from the original text that only leaves what he wanted. Well, but to the say. thing is, in the Tempest, I don't think there was a single moment that I was like, "Man, I'm really sad that they cut this bit." But I said that about this play. Yeah, but Megan, were the things that they cut really necessary to what Derek Jarman wants to say? Or th- are I things... think it would be good to put the cute goodbye. One okay, you had one moment. Yeah, but Megan I'm saying I had zero for Tempest. But Megan, he just made that cute goodbye. Annie Lennox singing a Cole Porter song, which I think thematically. No, I think you should do both. Oh, you just want more? Yeah. Okay, I mean that's fine. Well, because I also want to like Gaveston more. Okay, that's fair. But yeah, I think that if Christopher Marlowe saw this, he would say. It is proud, bold, pleasant, resolute, and now and then stabs as occasion serves. It does. It does stab as occasion serves. Though, again, I will say, a lot of people that die in the play stay alive in this film. Yeah. And I think that, like, for the case of Edward II, I think it's cool. Like, I like it. I like that our main gay guy doesn't die. I just appreciate that. And I also think when you are modernizing a play that has kind of war fight battles, it's a lot harder to be like, and then all these people got their heads cut off. Because that's not a thing we do Maybe not you. (laughs) So I think it makes sense, the ones that weren't killed, and I like the choice of not killing Edward. Yeah. So Megan, who's your MVP for Edward II? Don't say ferret guy. So here's the thing that's weird. Yeah. I like this movie. I like the story. I like the message. I like choices that were made. I think it's a movie full of strong choices, but I wouldn't say that any one character feels strong. Yeah. Which is weird. You can pick ferret guy if you want to pick Like, I don't want to pick ferret guy. I will agree. I don't think that the specific performances were all that astounding. Right. But it's just as a final product. It's good. It's good. It's, and gra- it's like, greater than the sum of its parts. Tilda Swinton is great, but her character doesn't do much. Yes. Because she's a female in an early modern play. I was going to say that my MVP was Tilda Swinton, but I am biased. You're and I, very biased. I like, just love Tilda Swinton. I love when she bit that guy's neck up. I liked when Tilda Swinton ate Braun the sellsword neck. I thought it was a wild moment that I appreciated. And that my one number one thing about Tilda is that Tilda commits. So I get what you're saying. And I think what I'm going to say for my MVP is because of their importance to the plot. Yeah. And I'm going to say young Edward III. Okay, I like that. I mean, I I like that bold decision of yours, Megan, to take the character that has like 10 lines in the movie and make them your MVP. I really think it sends the point home that at least we're getting from the film. Yeah. Whether that was the intended point or not. Okay. And Kid does a good job. Yeah. Kid's a fine kid. How about, Megan, I'll let you pick a combination of Ferret Guy and the Kid. Okay. Together they are one, one full character. Yes. <laughs> And they give me my perfect ending. Does the ferret guy have a name in the play, Megan? I I have to assume that it's Lightborn. I don't like that. I like ferret guy. Yeah, ferret guy is a much stronger name than Lightborn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Bear Guy has got like a cut beard, the barber <laughs> vibe to it, where it's just like, I name him what I see. Do you think like him and Edward like raised that ferret together, like two gay dads with a ferret? They better. That's my. I also hope that young Edward is like, well, time to go clean up my de- my dad's body, and it's like, I have two dads now. Oh, that's the dream. Marquez, what would you rate Derek Jarman's Edward the Second? I would rate it two times. Isabella was denied her husband, Sweet King D, out of. The three scenes where someone went up to Edward and said, you have to get rid of Gaveston. And he went, nah. Megan, what would you rate Derek Jarman's Edward II? I would rate it four guys making out in that one scene out of five times that I went, man, I hate Gaveston. But he doesn't deserve any persecution for who he is. Correct. All right, I think that's going to do it for us here on Avant Varde. If you liked what you heard here, please follow us on all social media at Avant Varde Pod. And if you really like what you heard, you can support us financially at patreon.com slash Pod. Bloopers for this episode will be posted there next week. But until next time, we will see you anon. Avant Bard is created by Matthew James Marquez and Megan Charlow. To support the show, visit patreon.com slash avantbardpod. We would like to thank Riley Allen for the creation of our theme music, Cloverkin for our logo artwork, and everyone in the audience for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Avant Bard, you can visit us on all social media platforms at avantbardpod.